Hello, my name is Ron Cowie, and welcome to another episode of St. Peter's by the Sea Episcopal Church podcast, A Priest and a Rabbi, with Rabbi Ethan Adler of Congregation Beth David and Father Craig Swan of St. Peter's. St. Peter's by the Sea and Congregation Beth David in Narragansett have enjoyed a 31-year friendship, and twice each year the two congregants join in co-worship, alternating between their respective locations. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Questions and comments are welcomed and encouraged. Thank you for your time, and we hope to hear from you soon. And if you like what you're hearing, please consider making a donation by going to our website, www.stpetersbythesea.com, and clicking on the Donate button. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Conversations Between a Rabbi and a Priest. I'm the rabbi. And I'm the priest. I'm Craig Swan, the rector at St. Peter's by the Sea in Narragansett, and I'm joined by... Ethan Adler. I'm rabbi of Congregation Beth David in Narragansett, and uh, also a congregation in Westerly. And these podcasts celebrate a 31-year relationship between St. Peter's and Beth David's. And um, I was thinking about this morning as I was preparing and saying one of the great blessings of being the rector of St. Peter's is the relationship I get to have with you, Ethan. So it's a joy. As, as it is with us, and as we said last time, we so much look forward to the time when we can actually join our congregations face-to-face and... Uh, Hug to hug, as they say. Hug to hug and break bread together. And, yeah, um, that's true. I haven't had a good kugel in over a year, no, so no. <laughs> we're waiting. There you go. So this week's topic is holy that you picked out. Yeah. And I said to you when you picked that out, that's going to be a challenge. So I actually went to Webster's Dictionary to hone us down, and we found out that there are actually five different working definitions of holy. Okay. So the first one is, first of all, holy is an adjective, and it is, means exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. Divine for the Lord or God is holy, and that comes from Psalm 99, and that's the second definition. Devoted entirely to the deity or the work of the deity. That's the third working definition. And then um, four Fourth one is A and B, having a divine quality, or as in holy love, or B, venerated as if sacred. And then finally, I like this one, but I'm not sure I'm going to work with this today, is used as an intensive, as in holy mess, or she was a holy terror, which used to describe one of my children. So... (laughs) (laughs) But as I was thinking about the word... um, I think there's two different meanings that I think we work with in the United States. And the first one is holy as in sacred, uh, sacred as in the deity, but also sacred as set apart as in the Bible Mm -hmm. for sacred use. And the second one that I think um, we would be working with is one that is holy in regards to righteousness. And as I was approaching it, I was thinking in terms of what does it mean to be righteous? Because oftentimes we use righteous or holy to describe somebody. And the Christian faith has a great tradition of venerating the saints who we have declared as holy people. So I think those are worth looking at, both from perhaps looking at the saints and also in terms of our Old Testament patriarchs who were less than 
perfect at times. That's true. That's true. So the way, the way I look at holiness and the way some other people look at it is what makes something holy? What, what makes something different than something else? So when you enter this beautiful temple and you look around, you sense there's a certain holiness to this, which is different than when you walk into Shaw's. What makes this so different? And what makes it different is because it's separated from everything else that we do. And in our concept in Judaism, what makes something holy is it, it is separate from other things. The Hebrew word for holy is kadosh. That's the word that we use for holy. But the word kadosh means separated. So when something is separated from the ordinary, it becomes holy. So holiness becomes a time, a place. Anytime you take the ordinary and you transform it into the extraordinary, and that becomes holy for us. So um, other concepts of holy that we have, again, is holy, separate, special, could be holy. Um, a sacred place is holy. In the ancient temple in Jerusalem, the whole Temple Mount was considered holy. The temple itself was considered holy. But there was an inner sanctum where the high priest would go in once a year and offer special sacrifices on a Day of Atonement. That inner sanctum room was called the Holy of Holies. Holy of Holies. So we have, we have, we have that um, devotion. Could be, could, be, could be a sense of devotion or consecrating something, purifying. Um, anything that really takes something that's ordinary and makes it into something, something very, very, very special. So, for example, I could sit down and have a, a lunch and it's fine. Nothing wrong with it. But if I say grace before I eat, now I've transferred or transformed, I should say, a normal, ordinary event of eating into something extraordinary because now I'm showing appreciation to God, to the people who brought the bread to us, who prepared the food for us. Um, a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning can be just fun spending with kids, nothing wrong with that. But you go to services, you spend time with other people, you transform that morning from ordinary to extraordinary. Um, if it's part of your habit every day to, to read the Bible, take five, 10 minutes and read. Now you've taken those five or 10 minutes from an ordinary time, watching the news again, or reading the Bible, getting transformed. So that, that is an important aspect of holiness for us. And I think you raise a very important point, especially as we're coming to the end of the pandemic. One of our um, major pushes last year as we began shutting down worship throughout the Episcopal Church especially was how do we help our people bring the sacred into their home? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the challenges we look at is that we live in a very compartmentalized world and don't realize how we can make the holy or reserve spaces in our lives that are both sacred and holy. And we last year have talked about how to create 
a prayer space in your home that you can go to to spend time in prayer, mm-hmm. how to carve out sacred time with God. And we tell people, again, it's you carve and make that time. I love to work out. And I'll tell everyone, that is sacred time. When I go down to work out at eight, um, 6 o'clock in the morning until I'm done, I don't want to be disturbed, and I won't pick up my phone. And I do that, quote-unquote, religiously. But the same thing is true in terms of spiritual life and interacting with the holy, is that we've got to carve time. I love um, the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And in Jewish tradition, from what I understand, is on that day you do nothing but worship, no work. It's worship, work, worship, no work, and rec- recreation. Correct. And I think part of our, my work has been to help people understand that even if you can't come into the church to worship, you can carve out that holy time. That's right. You, you mentioned the Sabbath. So we'll do a little Hebrew this morning. <laughs> so I mentioned before that the Hebrew word for holy is kadosh. It's got the K, the D, and the SH sound. And um, Hebrew is a very consonantal language. So once you have the root of the words, other words that sound like it, they're different words but carry the same meaning. So you mentioned the Sabbath. Um, so how do we separate the Sabbath from the rest of the week to make it holy? Again, we have the sense of holiness. And the prayer that we use on a Friday night, we have a special prayer over wine, and it's called a kiddush. You see the kiddush in it? Because what it does is it separates, separates the weekday from the Sabbath. So again, we have this idea of separation, that this day is going to be, is going to be different. Um, in ancient times, when people had, when our people were more agricultural, there was a law which they followed, which is in the Old Testament, that says when you harvest your fields, you're supposed to leave a corner of it for the poor people. And that corner piece was separate from others, and became holy. You couldn't use it. You had to leave it. And that was called Hekdesh. Again, the same root, you see. Um, the, um, the Hebrew word for a marriage is Kedushin. It has the same sound because when you're married, you are separating your spouse from everybody else, in a sense. So all of, the, all of those things become, become holy. The, the ancient word for temple was Mikdash, Again, the same word that stood for sanctuary, a place that was separate from others um, that invited that holiness. Now the question comes up, why should we be holy? You know, and um, we are told to. We read in the book of Leviticus, um, you shall be holy because I am holy. God says, I'm holy, and since I created you in my image, you've got to be holy. And here are pathways to it. Here is how you can become, become holy and how you can add meaning to your days. Very simply. I'm trying to figure out where to pick up from there. What people may not realize is that 
Ethan and I do not talk about what we're going to talk about before we get right, into our recording right, right, sessions right. and where to go. Uh, again, what I hear from you, Ethan, is what I've heard through all, all of our um, podcasts is how much in Judaism life is designed to keep us totally and completely mindful of the interaction of God in our lives, mm-hmm. how we pray, when we pray. And it's that wonderful sense of the integration of the spiritual with the mundane. And I think um, one of the issues that we face sometimes in Christianity is, again, we, and I'm sure this happens in Judaism today as well, is we kind of try to say, well, the sacred happens on Sunday morning between 10 and um, 11 o'clock, and please don't let it go over to 11.01 because I've got to get out of there for, um, I think around here it's the Patriots game half the time. There you go. But um, I think, again, what we're driving at is that the sacred isn't necessarily about the space, but it's about the setting aside of something specific for the holy, Mm -hmm. giving over the portion of the field for the use of the divine in terms of feeding the poor, Mm -hmm. Uh, giving over perhaps a corner of our home to use for prayer, to um, make, carve out with discipline. And one of the things that we often talk about are disciplines in the um, Christian world, the discipline of fasting, the discipline of prayer. Well, discipline is really about forming habit and setting things aside for spiritual work in terms of developing a relationship with God. But there's also another part to the holy as to how do we begin to view the world as holy and sacred. I think about the words in Genesis as God at the end of each day of working in creation says so wonderfully, and it is good. Hmm. And I read that to say, and it is sacred and holy because it is a result of the action of the divine. Right, and as a matter of fact, a lot of um, interpreters, Jewish interpreters of the story of creation, um, look at it in exactly as you said it. Because if you recall the very first First line of Genesis is in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And everything was null and void. And then first day, second day. And the understanding that we have is at the beginning God created everything. The stars, the moon, the animals, Adam and Eve, every, created everything. But then he decided, okay, I'm going to start to separate them out. So he separated the waters out. He separated light out, called it light. He separated out the moon, the stars. He separated out the land. He separated out animals. And as, as they became separate, they became holy. And that, that speaks to what you were saying. Exactly. We, we also, um, when we, we make a lot of blessings, as we mentioned before, you know. Um, the Talmud at some point says that we need to make 100 blessings a day. You know, I don't know if I reached that. I'm, you know, I think I'm on number seven so far. But, <laughs> um, but every blessing has the same formula, just about. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has made us holy with your commandments and commanded us to 
eat the bread or drink the wine or do whatever, the, whatever it is. But the notion is that, that God gave us these commandments as a pathway to holiness. So every time I make a blessing, I create a holy moment. So somebody lights the Sabbath candles and they say, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the Earth, who has made us holy with commandments and commanded us to light the candles. So for that minute or two, you establish a holy spot. You know, um, you're about to eat a piece of fruit. You're about to um, put on a prayer shawl and you say, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the Earth, who has made us holy, who has commanded us to put on the prayer shawl. At that moment, it's not just a moment of putting a fabric on my shoulders, but I've, I've taken that few extra seconds and made it extra special and holy. I don't say that when I put a sweater on. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't do that when I put a sweater on. But, by the same token, if I put on a new sweater, or put on new shoes, or a new tie for the first time, there is a blessing for that. There's a blessing for that. So that first time also becomes, becomes a moment of holiness. All of these things are there to break us, break up the 24-hour period and say, you can enter into these holy moments all day long and give your life so much more meaning. And realize that every moment of our life is sacred and is intertwined with the divine. And I was thinking about as you were talking about putting on the prayer shawl. Traditionally, when a priest dresses to celebrate the Eucharist, there are prayers involved with putting on the clothes. Mm -hmm. But the one that people most often notice, especially if they're with me in the um, sacristy, which is where I robe, is they'll notice that we always kiss the cross on the back of the stole. And I know that there are formulary prayers that go with that, which I'm not really good at memorizing. <laughs> But the prayer that I say when I kiss the cross on the stole, which one of my friends calls the kissing cross, uh, <laughs> is thank you, Lord, for trusting me as your priest. And may the work that I go out to do be sacred as I pray to you to, to make the bread and wine to be the body and blood of your son. Mm -hmm. And it is that acknowledgement that I'm about to go out and do something very, very sacred, very, very holy and within that time space. But also I recognize, because I vest early, that from the minute I put that stole on in my robes, all I do among the people is part of that holy time. Mm -hmm. The greeting as I come into church, the announcements, mm -hmm. And even as I say goodbye, as they walk out, it is all sacred and contained within the sacredness of the gathering and the Eucharist. And oftentimes we see just sort of this little tiny window of time, but it is that whole part of it. Both the mundane and the sacred acts are all sacred because God is pulled into it. And oftentimes when I start a um, service for a funeral or anything else that may not be in the church, we have sort of a set way. Or nowadays, because people talk in church, I will open with a greeting and say, welcome, and then end with saying, let us now take a time of quiet 
<laughs> to separate this yeah. time yeah. and allow the Holy Spirit to enter in mm. and be present. Great. So there are ways that each of us can stop and breathe and say, let me make this time holy in this space or activity blessed yeah. and make God present. You know, another aspect of uh, holiness, is, as we understand it, is sort of going the extra mile. So the commandment may be to take care of the poor. So when you give of yourself to the poor, you help other people, that is a moment of holiness too because you're, you're, being, you're being enriched by being able to help other people. But another aspect of holiness is doing the extra thing. So for example, yes, it's good to give, to help people out, but it's sort of extra holy if you teach them how to help themselves. We are told that peace is good. So to live in peace, this holiness in there, but to pursue it and to seek it gives you that extra special holiness. And sometimes it's not that easy. Um, I recall many, many years ago, we had a member who lived in Providence, was an older gentleman. And um, every Friday night during the summer, he would call me, almost every Friday, he would call me and say, um, you know, he was an older gentleman, so I, I forgave his repetition, but, you know, I'd like to take the bus, but I'm too old for that. Can you pick me up? And I said, sure. So I go from Cranston to Providence, pick him up, drive all the way to Narragansett, go back to Providence, and then back to Cranston. And on the way there and on the way back, I would hear the same stories over and over and over again. And I did that for an entire summer. And then towards the, towards the end, somebody in my temple asked, how's it going with Mr. Whatever? And I said, oh, kind of. But I said, you know, sometimes it's a real pain. And he said to me, if it wasn't a pain, it wouldn't be holy. <laughs> and I said, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's a lot of sense. Make, you, go, you, just, you just go the extra mile. Um, I, I found a reading that I thought might be, might be appropriate for us. It says, um, holiness is something that can and must occur at every moment of our lives, as, as we've been saying, as we choose to act from our highest selves in service to others, instead of indulging our urges towards selfishness or worse, apathy. The choice does not come from a momentary good feeling or from guilt and shame, but a deliberate systematic mechanism for growth and contribution. The more difficult the challenge, the greater the impact, the holier is the act which I think speaks to what we've been saying today in terms of that we can, you know, we can choose, we can choose to add holiness to our lives. You know, we can be very, it's not a passive thing, it can be very active. All we gotta do is just look for opportunities to do that. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, when somebody says, so what'd you do today? Instead of saying, nothing, <laughs> you can say, well, I created holy moments. Holy moments. I think that's a nice segue into the other part of holiness because we talk about the holiness of people on earth. 
and not necessarily because they've been set aside, but they've been recognized for a certain holiness, mm-hmm. whether it be um, the patriarchs of the Old Testament and the prophets and or the saints of the um, Christian churches. Now, I've been doing a lot of work on this because one of our um, Bible studies on um, Thursday evening has been looking at the book of Genesis. And um, what we're discovering, of course, is that the patriarchs, from a lens of the 21st century, aren't looking all that righteous at times. And if we actually look at the lives of the saints, they're not as perfect as the storybooks that we read when we were little kids. And it's how part of the challenge is to say, or actually work through with people is, why would God pick that person? And, you know, my favorite example, of course, is Jacob. Because Jacob, clearly from start to finish, was a con artist at times. He had issues. And his mother... (laughs) played into his cons. And I'm now beginning to work with Joseph, and um, basically, if you follow the storyline as a young guy among his older brothers, he may have been defined as a bit of a brat. But yet, God worked through them Mm -hmm. towards whatever God's dream was. It's the same thing if we look at the lives of the saints. Um, They didn't always lead stellar lives but found their way to somehow being uh, an icon of righteousness or holiness in the end. Hmm. And so um, I think it's worth saying that holiness isn't about perfection. Absolutely. And I think one of the reasons why people like the patriarchs, um, why so many biblical figures, I mean, King David certainly major, major issues. Um, but I, I, I think one of the reasons why the Bible highlights some of these people is to teach us a lesson. One of the lessons, I think, as you said, is to teach us that no one is perfect except the one above. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, the benefit of that is I don't have to live up to their standards because if I'm not perfect and they were, then I'd say, what's wrong with me? But if I'm doing the best that I can and they did whatever the best that they could, then I don't feel, feel guilty if I'm not perfect. But I think relating to our topic this morning, it shows us that even in imperfection, there can be holiness. So you don't have to be a great mind or a great scholar or be a wealthy person or smart person. Whoever you are, the keys to holiness are in your hand, right? You don't have to be anything. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to, 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 to measure yourself to any standard. But holiness is within your reach. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you can create these moments of holiness. So we don't, we don't have to be perfect at it. And our traditions build on that through the figure of Christ, And what I love about when we take our baptismal vows, one of the vows we say, if we fall into sin, we will repent and move on, basically. Uh, And it is an acknowledgement, even as we commit our lives to Christ, that we're not going to lead a perfect life even if we're baptized. 
But again, within our theology and understanding of who Jesus of Nazareth is, we also recognize that through him, we don't have to be perfect or righteous, but we simply have to put our trust in God and recognize it's only through the grace of God Mm -hmm. that we have access to God and the ability to be righteous. And I think from our, my perspective, when I look at the saints, what I see in them is not that they've lived righteous lives, and his best example is that of St. Paul, who actually uh, used his authority to stone Christians early on, but that once he latched into the grace and love of God, he allowed it to transform his life, and there's still debate whether he was wonderful or cranky. Most people think he's a cranky guy for the most part. But he latched onto the understanding of love and articulated that and presented that throughout the known mm-hmm. world at the time. And I think that's a lesson to each of us today is there is a sense of perfectionism within our culture and that we're all trying to have the perfect whatever. It's when we finally come to the conclusion that I'm not going to be perfect. But God loves me anyway. Yep. And with that love, an unconditional love that it is, I have the ability to love and accept others. And I think those are, whether it be through the law or through the cross, when we latch on to that reality is when we begin to discover and understand what true holiness is within this life. And I look at the modern-day saints, uh, whether it be St. Teresa of Calcutta or others who have been recently elevated, I think it's not, we didn't celebrate their perfection. We celebrated their ability to love. And much in the same way that you talk about, you know, it's only, it's more holy if it hurts. (laughs) I think that's the same message we're getting in the veneration of the saints. Mm -hmm. They sacrificed and they chose and loved in a way that is very difficult for most of us to do so. One of the prophets proclaims, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts, hosts, the earth is filled with his glory. And what that tells me is that I can add to the gloriousness of God. I can add to the glory of the world by performing acts of righteousness and becoming holy and therefore adding to that glory. What are some of the paths to holiness? Well, from a practical point of view, observing the Ten Commandments is a wonderful way to achieve holiness, revering parents, respecting elders, observing special days. I mean, you can can become 16 years old and have no party, no nothing. You're still going to be 16. But it's that party, it's that celebration of the birthday that makes it special, that makes it holy, right? dealing with everyone on an equal basis, not, not, not reprimanding people, to be driven by love and not by hate, which I think is kind of important. Um, and, and just doing those things that add, holiness can be, I, sometimes I think of it as a spice. You know, my wife is a great cook, thank goodness, otherwise I'd be eating out of cans. And um, she'll, she'll make something, and I'll say, what, what went in it? Well, I put this in, I put that in, I put that in, I put that in, I put that in. And I said, well, why'd you put that spice in? Well, just to give it a little extra flavor. I said, would it taste good without it? She said, sure. This just gives it a little extra. A little kick. A little kick, a little, little something. 
And um, I think when it comes down to it, that's, that's what living a holy life does for us, is that we could live without holiness, sure. We go through our days doing whatever we do. But when you live with holiness, it adds a certain spice to our lives. And it's good for us, good for others, good for the world, and ultimately, I think, reveals the will of God. I'm going to put that in very simple terms and use the great commandments. Holiness is found through loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. Exactly. And loving your neighbor as yourself. I think through my lens, what I see is holiness comes about within our lives, not just when we recognize the ways God intersects our lives daily and become mindful of that, but by making a simple choice every day, and that is to choose to love over anything else. Always pick love, and that will guide all of us towards holiness. Somebody once said, comically, I guess, is that um, holiness in our lives fills the holes in our lives. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think on that note, we'll um, bring our conversation to a close. So, Terrific. Ethan, if you will, end us with prayer. Absolutely. Um, I'll say the prayer in Hebrew and in English. Why not? Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech alam shechianu vekimanu vegiyanu lezman We are thankful to you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given us life, sustained us, and brought us to this very special holy moment of conversation. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. So I did want you to know, last Thursday, it was last Thursday, we sat down and we looked at the story of Jacob and Esau. My 80-year-old Ruth said to me, you know, I go by everything by feel. I said, okay. I don't feel Jacob was sincere. (laughs) (laughs) And I said to her, I said, well, you know, it's funny. uh, Rabbi and I had that conversation last week. And he was telling me the same thing. So I think you're on to something. That's right. You never know. That's great. I was like thinking what my uh, seminary teachers didn't teach. Yeah. Yeah. Now, again, there is some textual evidence to indicate that Isaac knew it was Jacob all along. Yeah. You know? But still, Jacob may not have known that Isaac knew, so it's still, it's still, it's, it's <coughs> very bothersome. Yeah. Very bothersome, you know? But I think the Bible tries to portray people as they are, you know? Realistic, you know, with all our faults. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if, if you're familiar, in the book of Leviticus, um, it talks about how they built this sanctuary in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And um, so they had a, a dedication. They dedicated the temple, sanctified it, blah, blah, blah. And um, God instructed Moses and he said, I want you to prepare some pans of spices and just leave it and I will light it. That a light will come and a fire will come and ignite it you don't do that 
and two of, and Aaron was a high priest, two of his sons, all the Bible says is they brought strange fire. Now we don't know what that means, but we think they lit it themselves, like saying, what are you guys, what do you expect? Some, you know? And they did it, and they were both struck dead, like instantaneously. You know, it's like, whoa, all right, this guy means business. Um, you know, how, how can that be? And, and, and uh, why did it happen? You know, we don't know. See, I tend to look at Leviticus like Deuteronomy. Uh, it's good bedtime reading. <laughs> For some people. <laughs> It'll put you right to sleep. <laughs> Deuteronomy will, yeah. yeah. So, all right. Okay, very good. So we got to pick a topic before ah, we forget. we got to pick a topic. Oh, so we've been doing H's, happiness, healing, holiness. We did, we did hope, right? Yes, we've done hope. So this is the fourth one we've done already? Yeah, this is wow. number four. Wow. Hmm. Heaven and hell, both are H, but I don't know if you want to get into that. I'm not sure. If I did heaven and hell, I'd bring Andy Mead in because he, um, he does uh, Dante's Divine Cat comedy. Mm -hmm. And he'd have a lot to say. Um, we could look at heaven, though. The concept of what is heaven. And what does it mean? You know, because we talk about heaven in terms, I think, more and more as being in the same space as God. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily up there. Mm -hmm. And that connects with afterlife. Yeah. We don't have much of a concept with heaven. Yeah. Ours is more of like a, another another world. Right. Another existence. But I mean the topic, I mean it's, it's what happens what happens afterwards? What do we believe? Yeah. So that's possibility. That's a good comparative religion one. Yeah. Want to give it a shot? I'll give it a shot. All we'll right. go for it. All right. We won't touch the other H, I guess. Nah, we'll leave that one alone for a while. It's hell. <laughs> a year and a half of pandemic is hell. <laughs> hell enough for sure. Yeah. This podcast is created in partnership with St. Peter's by the Sea Episcopal Church and Oyster Farm Productions. If you never want to miss an episode, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you think someone you know would enjoy this podcast, feel free to share it with them. Also, we welcome your questions and comments. And if you really enjoy what you hear, please consider making a donation through our website at www.stpetersbythesea.com and click on the donate button. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you soon. <laughs>